Before we get started with the podcast, we have a new course at Business Made Simple University. It's called Communication Made Simple. There was actually a major airline that came to us and said, we want to be great communicators. And so we prepared a, a lot of content for them, and now it is available for you. It is how to give a great speech, how to write a great email, how to put together a press release, how to put together a corporate video. It's your whole communication strategy right there in one course. It is getting rave reviews. If you are already subscribed to Business Made Simple University, you get the course for free. If you have not subscribed, go to businessmadesimple.com. And when you subscribe by October 1st, you get a bonus. The bonus is how to give a great speech. It is my analysis of Queen Elizabeth's speech in which she addressed the British people about the COVID crisis. It's a short speech, but I actually print it out, I red ink it, I edit it, and I make it better using the formula that we teach in Communication Made Simple. If that sounds interesting to you, go to businessmadesimple.com and register. Plus, you get access to Communication Made Simple, the new course, right away. Just go to businessmadesimple.com and register today. If you want to be a great communicator, get a pass for every single member of your team. If you want your entire organization to become a team of great communicators, just go to businessmadesimple.com. Welcome to the Building a Story Brand podcast, where we believe if you confuse, you'll lose. Noise is the enemy, and creating a clear message is the best way to grow your business. I'm your host, Donald Miller. I'm joined by my co-host, Dr. J.J. Peterson. Hi, J.J. Hi, Don. J.J., the podcast name is going to change. We're yes. reminding everybody every day of it's this happening. fourth quarter, every episode of this fourth quarter, that the podcast is going to change. It's going to be called Business Made Simple. Mm -hmm. That change happens on January 1. We're bringing on Kula Callahan yes. to banter with us at the beginning of the podcast, and we're bringing on several different segments. It's going to change. We want to be the biggest business podcast on the market. So we've made some aggressive moves to make that happen. So make sure you listen for that change and don't get confused. It's not a new podcast. It's just an improved podcast yes. with a different name. And if you have subscribed to Building a Story Brand, you will automatically be subscribed to Business Made Simple. There's nothing that you need to do. JJ, today on the podcast, the author of The Forever Transaction, her name is Robbie Kelman Baxter, and she tackles an issue that we get asked about all the mm -hmm. time, and that is, how do you create a subscription service? Yeah. And how do you create a subscription service if you're not a content company, if yeah. you're a restaurant, if you're a plumber? You know, how do you do this, and why should you do it? She's written the book. Again, it's called The Forever Transaction on how to do this and make it work, and I think it's enormously valuable. We're going to get right into it, and then you and I are going to talk later about our big takeaway mm -hmm. uh, from this. And the big takeaway I got from it, I already know, is going to make this company a lot of money and change a lot of lives. So yeah. if you want to hear that, <laughs> uh, hang on till after the interview. But right now, it is Robbie Kelman Baxter talking about how you can build a subscription service that lasts. Robbie Kelman Baxter, thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. You've written a book that is a solution to a problem a lot of people have, and that is how can they get recurring passive revenue? Your book is The Forever Transaction, How to Build a Subscription Model So Compelling Your Customers Will Never Want to Leave. It's really been the key to our ability to growth. We didn't have a subscription model for years, and we built one less than a year ago, and it's been the foundation, financial foundation of our company, allowing us to hire more people. I strongly recommend it if you can do it. Talk to me about why we need passive revenue streams and what they do. 
Yeah, it's funny. I almost feel like I don't need to do that anymore because yeah. everybody's so crazy about subscriptions. But but in a nutshell, it does a few different things for a business. The first one is it gives you predictable cash flow, mm -hmm. which allows you to more thoughtfully and confidently invest in your future. The second thing it does is it often allows you to understand the behaviors of your customers better. And that allows you to continue to evolve your offering to solve future needs and to solve current needs more deeply. So it gives you a path to build a deeper and more well-aligned offering for your best customers. And then the third reason, which is kind of a hot thing right now, is it allows you to justify a much higher valuation in both the public and private right. markets. Yeah, that's one of the reasons we did it is we just understood that passive revenue was going to be you know, very attractive to venture capital or private equity if we ever wanted to go that direction. And even if you don't want to go that direction, building a company that looks good to investors also means you're building a company that's fairly financially sound. So it's just not a bad move. You know, I can hear what my listeners are saying. They think, Don, you know, you're a content company. You're you're basically an education machine. That's what you guys do. You're an online business school. It's easy for you to create content and charge a subscription. I'm a restaurant. I'm a plumber. I'm a financial advisor. I'm a lawyer. I'm a real estate agent. Where have you seen some of your the people who have read your book and talked to you, where have you seen creative ways for brick-and-mortar businesses to create passive revenue streams and subscription services? Any business that depends on customer relationships can build a subscription revenue. A, a good example is car washes. Hmm. This is sort of an interesting thing. So first of all, you focus on what is the long-term goal of the person. It's not to go to the car wash. It's to have a clean car. And the closer you can get to aligning that offering to that goal, the happier your customer is going to be and the more they're going to pay, right? So, you know, I drive my car through the car wash. I come out the other side. A bird poops on my car. <laughs> it's not clean anymore, right? Right. What I really want is little fairy elves to come and clean everything all the time. A lot of car washes are moving towards a subscription. It's not quite the fairy elves that are going to keep my car clean, but I can drive through as many times as I want. What's really interesting about that model is something one of my clients found was that, yeah, all the people that love to have clean cars, they love the subscription because they were coming to the car wash more than twice a month anyway. But they also found this new segment of people who don't like to talk to the cashier. <laughs> and those pe <laughs> those people loved the subscription because they could just swipe their card and cruise through without talking to anyone. Yeah, that would be me for sure. There are all sorts of ways. You can do a restaurant club. You can do, I know uh, our friends up at Canless Restaurant in Seattle, you know, they have a fine dining restaurant that during COVID took a hit. And they put together a cocktail club where you can actually, you get cocktail mixes sent to you in a box, you get uh, produce sent to you in a box, you get a meal sent to you in a box. They found a way, and my guess is some of those subscription services will still be around 10, 15 years from now, long after it was necessary. I think a lot of us have tried to, or have had to discover some better way to reach our customers, and some of that was subscription. Let's walk through how to do it right, though. On page 11 of your book, you say many membership models fail because the organization lacks a strategic lead who builds a big-picture vision that incorporates the entire organization instead of focusing on operational tasks. Can you walk me through that as a failure and how we can stay away from it? What does that mean? A lot of organizations kind of have the tail wagging the dog. They say, we want to have subscription revenue, so we're going to take whatever products and services we have and we're going to sell them now as a subscription. We're going to slap some subscription pricing on it and 
throw it out there. And sometimes we're going to say you don't have any other choice. If you want to build a successful subscription model, let's say for that restaurant example, what you have to do is take a step back and say, in this environment, given my best customers, how can I solve their problem or help them achieve a goal on an ongoing basis? And what is the impact of that going to be across every part of my organization? So for example, your your restaurant friend, right? They no longer, let's say, need people working at the tables, but they need people working curbside or they need delivery. Um, they need to figure out new packaging. They need to figure out how to, you know, manage, you know, all of these orders coming in at once. And, you know, it changes how they market, the product changes, and it changes their operations. And I think a lot of organizations underestimate the lift that they're going to need to do in order to be successful. One really interesting example is that I think a lot of people are familiar with is Dollar Shave Club, right? So Gillette wanted to be like Dollar Shave Club. And so they thought, well, we're just going to slap a price. I'm oversimplifying, but they're going to slap a price on boxed razors. But they didn't really think through the full impact of how different that was. They weren't used to shipping small boxes. So the boxes were hard to open and weren't pretty when they opened them. Uh, They were trying to charge on exactly what was in the box. So every month your price was a little bit different. So there was no kind of cost certainty. And they didn't have any people in their organization who knew how to handle returns and exchanges on such a small level. They were used to dealing with- The customer service couldn't deal with it. No, they were used to pallets. They were used to pallets and, you know, big retailers. They weren't used to, you know, Robbie saying, you know, I ordered three razors and I got four. And so here's one. Can you credit me, you know, $6? One of the first things you tell us to do in the book, if we're going to come up with a plan like this is- actually create a business strategy around at page 24 you say having a detailed business case can lay some ideas to rest or clarify the expected results and the real investment costs what needs to go into our plan if somebody's listening to this and they say we're going to come up with some sort of passive revenue subscription service we're going to put every all our smart people into a room for a full day and we're going to leave with a plan what goes into that plan yeah so you start with what i call a forever promise so what is it that you're delivering? What is the value that justifies an ongoing relationship? So if you're if you have a boutique clothing store and I come in and I buy a t-shirt, a white blouse for a speech, it's not because I want a white blouse. It's because I want to look good and professional and appropriate at work. If you can come up with a membership, if you have a lot of customers like me, maybe you can come up with a subscription around helping professional women look great at work, right? Instead mm. of selling white yeah. blouses. So you start with that promise. It's a less of a product orientation, more of a customer and impact orientation. And then you want to take a look at who is the ideal customer, the best customer. I would say the best member as opposed to the not best member, not the best member as opposed to the worst member. Right. So who would be a great customer? Who would you think would be a great customer, but actually wouldn't be as great? And how can you recognize them in advance? And then you want to create the offering. And then you want to start mapping out the financials and trying to do some estimates of, you know, kind of what's your risk, you know, usually a going concern is worried about cannibalization. So you want to try to get your arms around that and how big is the opportunity? And then you want to get into the nitty gritty of what are all the things I need to learn in order to be confident that this is going to work and what's the right first step to achieve that lofty vision. That sounds like a pretty good checklist. 
then we've got to actually go into the how. How are we going to do this? And a lot of the times, you know, people will come to me and they say, Don, I love what you've built. We have a very different market and we want to build something similar. Can I sit down and ask you some questions? And I think to myself, man, you know, you're not going to be good on camera. You don't understand that the studio I'm sitting in costs $70,000. You don't understand that I had to move somebody here from Chicago just to because they knew how to work the equipment and know how to make things entertaining. You don't understand that my co-host started an improv years ago and knows how to <laughs> do banter. I'm just going, I don't know how you, I have no idea how you're going to recreate this. The cost is so much higher than you think. And, you know, a lot of those people have, I've encouraged them. I said, look, here's the reality of it. They've gone on to launch it, and it's been really great. What I wanted to guide them through was there's a lot of hidden costs here that you probably don't actually understand or know, and your overhead could really go up here. And so you've got to adjust your price, or you've got to analyze your market, or whatever you got to do to make sure that you can cover that overhead. Is there a, a checklist of things like that that we need to think about? Yeah. I mean, I think that the biggest issue for a business moving from episodic revenue to subscription revenue is, you know, in an episodic relationship, you just have to get them to buy. And if you can get them to buy, you're done. Mm. In a subscription relationship, if the customer doesn't stay after they sign up, you lose money. Right. You don't break even, you lose money. So that has sort of two big challenges. One of them is it's a new way of thinking about your offering because you're not just thinking about the headline benefit that gets somebody acquired, but also the engagement, expansion, and retention benefits, mm -hmm. which usually companies are not good at thinking about. Right. And then the other thing is that because most subscriptions are access to a lot for a smaller upfront price because you pay every month or every year, it often takes a while before you catch up to the revenue you, you used to enjoy in a transactional way. So instead of buying a $50,000 car, if now I'm subscribing for $4,000 a month, there's a lot of months before I, you know, it's four years of a relationship. So even if I'm doing it perfectly and they are staying for four years, I still have to wait four years to get the return on my investment. And so I think organizations underestimate how long it's going to take before this is actually going to be a net positive for the business. Yeah, you've got to do the real math. It's what I call real math. People will count the top line revenue and then they won't hit the subtract button and, and that list will be very short and that's a, a good way to get into trouble. The thing that a lot of people are going to get a lot out of in this interview is how do we keep them coming back? But before you even get there, I just want people to know we're going there, you actually like experimenting you talk about developing your experiments and how you experiment with your product or service. Can you tell us what experimenting looks like and give everybody permission, if you want to, I'm not assuming that you want to, to actually make some mistakes and launch something with some bugs in it? Are you for that? Yes. First of all, you will make mistakes. The chances of getting the exact right offering to the exact right people that they're going to love and stay with for four or five years on the first try is pretty close to zero right. for any subscription. So you have to go in with that expectation. If you're the subscription person and you have a boss or you have stakeholders or you have a spouse, you need to set that expectation with them that I'm not going to get it right the first time. So, you know, you start with your big vision and then because it's really important to have a North Star, I think, like, you know, in a perfect world, you know, everybody's, you know, they come to me, they learn from me, they stay, they find a community, they love the people, they learn more, you know, but today I'm going to start with a, you know, three month program 
because that's what I have. And what I'm going to learn from the three-month program in that first experiment is, does my headline benefit attract the right people? And do they get great value? That might be the first thing. And then you, you get to the next phase and you say, and the second thing I'm going to test is, do those people like to talk to each other? I have a feeling they do, but can I create community around these ideas? And then you might say, and now I'm confident enough that I want to have content and experiences that go beyond the three months. I really want this to be a forever transaction, not a three-month transaction. And so when you break those things down, you're aiming for that nirvana, that vision of the big community and everybody staying forever and the advanced people helping the new people. But you start with something really small that's going to give you what you need to have the confidence and the resources to go to the next step. I'll be right back with the rest of my conversation with Robbie Kelman-Baxter in just a moment. As I mentioned earlier, there's a new course at Business Made Simple University. It's called Communication Made Simple. I want you to know how it's going to help you grow your business. If you need a step-by-step communication playbook that works, this is what we provide. If you are launching a new product, if you are buying another company, if you are just changing buildings, if you've hired a new CEO, There are so many reasons that you should launch a communication campaign. You always want to take advantage of opportunities to bring attention to yourself and your brand and also unite your team. This playbook at Communication Made Simple is going to give you the ability to do that. It will help you come up with your talking points, then turn those talking points into speeches, turn those talking points into videos, turn them into emails, use them in a social media campaign, even a press release. All of that is covered in Communication Made Simple. Whenever something big happens at your organization, you need to launch a communication strategy. This is your step-by-step playbook. Make sure to register at businessmadesimple.com. You get Communication Made Simple, the new course, plus all the other courses in the platform for free when you register. Just go to businessmadesimple.com. Robbie, can you walk us through some success stories? I mean, people who you've consulted with, who've created subscription services that have worked really well, or just examples that you love in the market, people who have done it right. One of my favorite examples is LinkedIn. And what's funny about LinkedIn is that, you know, those guys, before they started LinkedIn, they had a dating site called SocialNet. And <laughs> I didn't know, you know that. That's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And a subscription The beauty of a subscription, ideally, is that they join and they stay forever, Hmm. right? But in the world of dating, if if you're a dating site and you are good, right, people find their soulmate in three, four, five months and then they leave (laughs) and you want them to leave because you don't want Then you do marriage counseling as advanced uh, dating. (laughs) Right. If I had been advising them at that time, that would have been one option is to say, okay, what's the next thing? You know, you have the three-month thing. What's the next step on that member journey? You know, they're not on a dating site to be on a dating site. They're on a dating site, hopefully, to find true love right. and, a, and a lifetime companion. What happens after they meet them? How do you build a relationship? You probably have marriage services and family counseling and all kinds of things. But what at the time, what they said is, you know, we spent so much energy being customer-centric and building a trusted relationship, and then we were losing our subscribers after a few months. So next time we, we launch something, we're going to launch something with a longer runway. Hmm. And LinkedIn, of course, you know, like my kids in high school are joining, right? Yeah. They're signing up yeah. with their basic little account and then college, everybody's there. And, you know, pretty much all professionals are on LinkedIn now. So you stay until you retire. My dad's been retired for five years. He's still there. So much, much longer time horizon. 
Yeah. The other reason that I love LinkedIn as a model is because of the ecosystem that they've created with their model. So, you know, people sometimes forget, first of all, that they had a vision of kind of world domination. We're going to be the largest community of professionals and help them grow and thrive and learn and meet each other and stay connected. But they started basically as a resume hosting service. Right, right. Right, because there was no community there. And then they added on. They started yes. adding things onto it. You can blog there and they've got online school that you can take classes and they just kept adding on to it. Yeah, exactly. And they also focused on a small audience at first. So all of us that were using it for free resume posting and maybe even for content tracking, we weren't paying anything. But the recruiters and the salespeople and the job seekers, those were the first subscriptions and the first payers. And we were valuable. The people that were getting value for free had a very clear role in the business model because to some extent we were the product. If we weren't all there, the salespeople and the recruiters wouldn't be paying their subscriptions. So they're a very good example of how freemium models, you know, some people free, some people paying a premium, how a freemium model really can be worked in in a very powerful way. What are some ideas that you've seen in the marketplace that after somebody launches a successful subscription service, have been innovative in keeping people engaged. You know, we're dealing with this now as a company. We have tens of thousands of people subscribed to Business Made Simple University. We launched it less than a year ago. We're coming up on their renewals. And so we want them, of course, to renew for another year. It's an annual subscription. And so we are launching four new courses. We're doing live streams for people if they keep subscribing. We're adding value. We think we've done an exceptional job at that with what we're going to be releasing But we're always looking for more ideas. How can we add more value to our customers? What have you seen that have made people say, yeah, this is 20 bucks a month, this is 200 bucks a year. There's no way I'm going to lose this subscription. It's great. Yeah. So I think that for this kind of an audience, I think community is really important. Hmm. A sense of belonging and a sense of status. Um, Status being recognition for your achievements and your contributions to the community. So I could imagine, you know, people come into your membership and there's a lot that they don't know. So they go through all the courses and they're just trying to get, get smart, get things off the ground, have their kind of basic understanding. And as they become more experts, on one hand, they're going to be looking for continued cutting edge expert content from you. But they're also potentially going to want a way to give back to the community. So I see that as being something powerful. A lot of times senior people, very it's hard to keep the really experienced people. And yet, in a lot of ways, they're the most valuable members, both because of their contribution back to the neophytes and also because they're the ones that are probably going to push you to keep creating the new courses and the new experiences because they're the most sophisticated. So thinking really hard about how do I continue to provide value to people as they go through their journey, I think becomes really important. And also to remember that it's not always about the consuming, you know, I don't need to learn more, although that's important. It's also feeling a sense of belonging, feeling important and recognized and like an expert and having an opportunity to give back often has, you know, I see in a lot of professional associations, that's the reason that the really senior people come back is because they feel, you know, one, they, it's an obligation to give back. And two, 
it's very rewarding to have people tell you, you know, you're so smart, you've taught me so much, right. I see you as a mentor. So that would be, you know, something that I would be considering as well as the courses. I love that. I, I think we're doing all of that. That really is encouraging. We want to launch in 2022 a certificate of mastery where you, you can actually study all the courses for a year with a coach, take a written test, take a long assessment online that's going to be very regulated. And you can get a certificate of mastery that we think is as valuable as a degree in business. Wow. And then if you want to go even further, you can become a certified coach and teach this material to other people. So it sounds like we've got all three levels covered. But it's interesting because we actually talked to our people. We had a bunch of internal staff meetings to figure this out. And we came up with that exact thing. Give them some status. Give them something that is valuable that will make them a more valuable professional in the open market, an actual degree type certificate. And then actually turn them loose to be able to take this life-changing content and deliver it to people who really need it, who maybe can't afford to go to college, but they want to learn how to run a business or are so smart they didn't go to college and they're running a business and now they need some guidance. <laughs> That's really wonderful. The book sounds like a real gift to entrepreneurs, and I'm so glad that you spent time with us today. The book is called The Forever Transaction, How to Build a Subscription Model So Compelling Your Customers Will Never Want to Leave. We barely scratched the surface, Robbie. It's a step-by-step -step guide on how to do this. And so if you're looking for this, why don't you buy a copy for every one of your leaders and have a good conversation about it. People can learn more about you at RobbieKelmanBaxter.com. Is that right? Yep. Great. Robbie, you also have something special at RobbieKelmanBaxter.com slash audience. You have something called a membership manifesto. And I want to drive people there. What's that going to do for them? It'll help them understand why this massive transformation is happening and how they can apply the principles to whatever business they're building. Well, I'll tell you this. A lot of people are, are saying, well, look, you know, I, I have a food subscription service. A dinner bell comes and brings me uh, dinner. I have Netflix. I'm on YouTube TV. I subscribe to a yoga class. You know, the market is diluted. It's played out. It's absolutely not true. Everything is going to subscription. There's plenty. It's still blue ocean for you, especially if you're in a place, if you're the kind of business that you don't even, can't even figure out how you would do a subscription, that may be your competitive advantage because once you figure this out, nobody else is going to be doing it. I think there's enormous amounts of room in the market for whatever it is you're doing. I think it's worth thinking about. Robbie, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for your time. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Don. JJ, my big takeaways from that conversation. First of all, I love an interview that makes you money. Yeah, so practical. <laughs> so I also practical. love one that's entertaining, but I just love it when I say, you paid nothing for this podcast and we made you a lot <laughs> yeah. of money because it makes me feel valuable as a human being. Yes. Here's what the audience doesn't know. The morning of this interview, which was this morning, mm -hmm. we had what we call a war room. We got yep. some smart people in a room and we tried to figure out how are we going to give sort of a certification to people who master the Business Made yep. Simple University platform. I and mean, we want it to be very, very serious. That's going to be difficult to accomplish. And, and a lot of very you know passionate, driven people are going to take advantage of that. We also want other people who have just taken the course, really understand it and apply it to be able to take a short assessment. Yeah. And so we came up with a badge of completion yep. that you can get for any course. You can put that on your resume. It definitely increases your value as a professional in the open market. And then also this secondary mastery where you've mastered all of the courses and you really know them inside out almost so well that you could actually teach them inside yeah. of an organization. Two different tracks. 
So when she got to the part, when Robbie Kelman Baxter got to the part where she said, offer status. Yes, you and I and looked at each other. And then offer a chance for them to give back, right? I just yes. thought, my goodness, we you had a good meeting this morning. You and I both looked at each morning. other and we're like, yes, we did it. <laughs> that was the huge takeaway for yeah. me is that we were really just trying to intuitively put on our, our strong business minds and figure out what to offer the market. And she came back and said, without knowing that, that you guys <laughs> that are we on were the doing right track. The, yeah. Yeah, that was my big takeaway. And the other part, too, that for me was fun was when she was talking about how you actually have permission to experiment a yeah, little bit, right? Yeah. And we have. Yeah. Like, we have, you know, all along, StoryBrand has always been about trying to make our customers more money, right? right. Every step of the way. And, and we'll do, maybe we'll film one course and figure out, oh, that worked pretty well. But what if we just tweaked it a little bit and made it even more accessible to more people, right? right? <laughs> and yeah. then we grew that. And then we were like, well, what if we filmed a second course that went along with that and kind of continued to grow? Business Made Simple University did not come out of nowhere. <laughs> right. No, it was an <laughs> it, iteration. It was an iteration, probably our third or fourth iteration of ultimately trying to get more information to more people so that they could grow their business even more. <laughs> yeah. Who would have thought, you know, if we wouldn't have iterated, who would have thought we came up with a framework where you use ancient story structure to clarify clarify a marketing message. Yeah. What four and a half, five years later, we're trying to take on the university system yeah. in America by giving a practical business <laughs> yeah. education. What how did that happen? Two things. One, we weren't afraid to iterate. Mm -hmm. We weren't afraid to say, well the next evolution is. Yep. And then the second was the constant asking of the question, how can we make our clientele more money? Yep. What's the next thing that they need to know? to improve their bottom line. And that was the thing for me that was really, so not only did she give permission to experiment, but she said one of the things that happens when you create a subscription base is you actually learn customer behavior. That's right, yeah. And that's what we were able to do. By getting our product actually out into the market, we began to learn how people were using it. And for instance, even this podcast, right? It's building a story brand, but in reality, the way people use this is to grow their business, yeah. which is why we're transitioning to the Business Made Simple podcast because right, we're pretty because much- we've been talking about all of business We've been for talking about business time. forever, and that was our iteration. We started moving forward because we listened to the customer. Well, we listened a, to their behaviors and what they were doing, and we started offering more and more value. Well, there's a ton of value for anybody listening and trying to figure out a subscription service. Yep. What can you charge monthly for? And be creative. You may not have the answer, but some of the smart people on your team will. Mm -hmm. Get together in the conference room, clean the whiteboard, yep. come up with something <laughs> that is going to make you 20 bucks, 30 bucks, 50 bucks, 100 bucks. Uh, Henry Cloud was over here for dinner. He and Tori, he wrote a book years ago called Boundaries. Mm -hmm. And uh, Henry said, oh, I'm so excited about this thing that I offered. You know, what is it, Henry? He said, it's nine bucks a month and it's just, you know, a bunch of different uh, courses. You know, I just sit down in a chair and answer some questions and and he literally just takes a camera and sits down, and he's got boundaries for dealing with addicts, boundaries for the holidays. Ooh. And I literally was like, <laughs> nine bucks a month? Here's my credit card. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? You yeah. probably have some expertise on something that you don't really fully realize how valuable that is. Yeah. And even if you're a restaurant, again, we go back to Canlis, the, the cocktail boxes, the, the agriculture boxes, the meals in a mm -hmm. box, the, you know, they had a burger that you could drive through. And yeah. there's different things that you can do and just be creative and come up with them because it's definitely the, it's the future. Yep. And especially with COVID and how it's changed culture, what we're going to have is this hybrid culture going back where people are, they are going to football games, and they're, but they're starting to realize, you know what, you can just attend church online. Yeah. <laughs> you can get educated online. Uh, hopefully, we'll still go to the theaters because I absolutely love going yeah, yeah. to theaters. But, you know, everything is changing. And if you can come up with some sort of monthly predictable thing that they get that is of value, 
there's a good chance it will work. And I call it manna from heaven, <laughs> where you wake up every morning and some people have paid you yep. enough to cover your overhead today. And uh, then you get up and you create more. I, I will say this, JJ, you know, we didn't create subscription services till a year ago. Yeah. Uh, really? Yep. The reason I didn't do it was I didn't want the pressure of constantly having to create content. Mm -hmm. And finally, I decided to do it and realized that's what I've been doing anyway. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yep. I mean, you're creating content in order to sell a one-off mm -hmm. anyway. So we went from $1,500 for one course to $275 for all of them. Yep. And we've more than made up for that in volume. Yeah. So if anybody has that little pushback of like, Don, I don't know, that's that's my story. I don't know if, if that can be your story or not, but that is my story. It actually made life easier yeah. and eased the financial stress a little bit. I discovered, we just talked the other day, I discovered a mini cheesecake place here in Nashville. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen this place yet. Have you, you know, no, you haven't been, but it's amazing. And it was really interesting because I was talking to the owner and she essentially used to have subscription services to restaurants. But once ah. the restaurant shut down, she didn't have a way to keep moving forward. And so I, she opened a shop. No, well, she already had the shop, and okay. so it was four people. But her main source of income was essentially delivering cheesecakes right. to restaurants. And so I was like, "Well, do you want to start doing that for me?" And we kind of joked about it, but we talked about could you create a subscription model for cheesecakes because the restaurant part of it has kind of shut down. So now, what if you went after individuals? So even there, and for me to have a a mini cheesecake delivered every week. You know what I would pay for that? <laughs> you know, I'm not driving 15 minutes you to raise up. be a rare market. I, I don't know. No, no, oh, no, no. No, because so. no, I put me eating one of those cheesecakes on Instagram and she messaged me very close after that said that three people stopped by because they saw my Instagram post. So you should get I an affiliate. Link. I want to now because now, now I'm going to get subscriptions. So I think you can do it with content. I think you can do it with cheesecakes. Yeah. You know, there's subscription <laughs> this services. Can change to, everybody's business. Yeah, it really can. So just think of a creative way to do it. Music from this episode is by Andrew Bell. You can listen to Andrew's latest record, Dive Deep Hushed, on Spotify or on iTunes. Thanks, as always, for listening to the Building a Story Brand podcast, where we believe if you confuse, you'll lose. Noise is the enemy, and creating a clear message is the best way to grow your business. 